Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I've been quite quiet about this recently, I know, but I'm heading to Edinburgh from the 1st to the 25th of August with Duffy Connors and Charlene Johan. We are the tip boxes, and we will be at Dropkick Murphy's Bar from the 6.45 to 7.45, delivering you the most diverse stand-up show you'll ever see, allegedly. But first, um, my guest today is someone I really, really enjoyed talking to. Her name is Cam Spence. She is a comedian. She also has a show in Edinburgh this year. Um, we just got to chatting about the circuit, about the show Girls. And, you know, there was a point where I think we had some, not exactly disagreements, but we came at some things from different points of view. And it was really interesting to learn from a different perspective and I think those are re- I think that makes a really, really interesting listen. So please, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the wonderful Cam Spence. Hello, Cam Spence. Hello, Nathan. This is, this is the fun bit where we get to pretend we weren't speaking for the past 10 minutes. No, we've never met. <laughs> no, we genuinely haven't. No, that's a... I, mean, I don't know who you are. Mm. Why are you coming up to me and talking to me? I know. <laughs> I do this to everyone. It's fine. It's not just women. Men as well. Men especially. They get really freaked out when I do this. <laughs> yeah, women are used to being harassed. Yeah, so, men... so I guess I'm fine with this. Yeah, men aren't used to it as much, funnily enough. No, it... I mean... I mean, that sounds nice. That's good. <laughs> it is a good position to be in, but it's also yeah. we don't then we can't really comment on how women feel about when it happens to them because it never happens to us. Absolutely. Are you? Are you watching Love Island? No. No. Okay. Like I know about and I know and, and I watched most of it last year. Yeah. But I was just like this year just it just kind of passed me by. I was like, yeah. okay, this last year's group was just so nice. Right? Well, yeah, gen- they were wonderful, yeah. Gen- yeah, they were so nice. I was like, right, there was something a bit special about this group, and I'm not going to be able to replicate the success that um, they had this that year with this year's lot. No, let's be honest, it's it's a dud year. I'm going to call it out. I mean, everyone's called it out. It's a, it's a dud year, so really? you're, you're missing the right the right year. So, for someone that hasn't watched, okay, but... Um, Pretend you're speaking to someone who has, who is watching it. Who are your favourites to win? <laughs> oh my god, this is all I want to talk about. So <laughs> Go for a big it. Mistake, but I hate asking about it. I mean, I brought it up, obviously. Go within, for it. Within two minutes of being on it, um, I actually would like um, Anton and Belle to win. Okay. Um, this is because I think that um, Anton is the least trashy man in the villain. Actually, that's not fair because I love Ovi and I love uh, Chris. But in terms of the way he is in a relationship I think he's good at swallowing his pride and his ego in terms of like those kind of alpha male kind of type of men that they put in there he's the best at like dealing with his emotions and working through problems in the relationship and and I love him and I love Belle and I wish them all the best so what's good about what's good about Belle She's just uh, really strong and good at communicating her feelings. She gets quite like hot-headed sometimes, Nathan. As you do, as you as need to do. do, as you need to do. If you if you don't get hot-headed at sometimes, there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry, there yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're like, are you? You're sedated or something? Yeah, yeah you're, you're repressing everything. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting. As I'm just obsessed with the show. It's interesting for viewers to watch this show and to see people have arguments because it feels quite shocking to witness people having arguments but it's just so part of relationships yeah. and and it's so what I find so beautiful is to witness like people making up and yeah. articulating how they're feeling in that moment and they're just both those guys are fantastic at the art of that they're fantastic so so I wish them I wish them well yeah but yeah it's a fantastic show I Do think watch. I think my my real issue with the show isn't really the show itself it's the machine that is behind the show right right yeah yeah. so i was watching a podcast recently i mean a few months ago with someone who has who was on love island in 2016 or 2017 right, right? yeah 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 and they would they were basically giving they were basically giving us a look behind the curtain right mm. you know that um they're not allowed to they're not allowed to communicate with anyone in the outside world they're not allowed to talk about anything that isn't actually in the villa Oh, right? really? Yeah, and you know they have clocks in the villa, 
yeah. all the clocks are at the wrong time. You don't know what the actual time is. Yeah? What? That's yeah. so disorientating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you go out, you're not, when, you are, when you go outside the villa, you're not allowed to move, go out without a chaperone. And you've got to have um, no watches, no anything. You can't go anywhere where, they, where they'll let you know what's actually going on in the outside world. Yeah? Wow. And that's one part of it. But also, I have a bit of an issue with the sort of aftercare sort of thing. Absolutely. No, it's terrible. Because obviously there was the suicide recently. Yeah. There was a suicide recently. Yeah. And no one, I don't think any of them are ever really prepared enough no. for what is going to happen to them once they yeah. leave the villa because they've been in that bubble for so fucking long right yeah and we're all watching them well not me personally but like the, a lot of people in the nation are watching them and i reckon that can be quite hard to remember when you're actually in it and when you're in the bubble yeah i mean i don't think anything can psychologically prepare you for that you know and it, it's just the way it's it's you're a normal ordinary person and then within a day you know the day the day you come out of that villa yeah. everyone knows who you are and who want to talk to you it must be it must that must be very disorientating as well yeah and and i actually i can't watch I mean, I don't know why I like have separated Love Island and I'm able to watch Love Island. I guess no. I'm just a hypocrite. But I can't watch X Factor. Maybe it's not as good. Yeah. But because I feel so aware of how vulnerable everyone is. Yeah. Um, and maybe with Love Island, there's something a bit more like where they kind of know a bit more about what they're buying yeah. into and they want to be like an Instagram person, like yeah. promoting stuff on their social media is getting money for posts and like, it's, it's a different game. Whereas these like you know they, they get some and so you get some quite tough people who are like already like slightly narcissistic yeah. and that, that's why they're yeah. in there but um just the idea of like young people or just i don't know people with who i think clearly have mental health issues yeah. they're not vetting people you know? and they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming through yeah. and i just I, and also i i the heartbreak of not getting through to those rounds yeah. and to have this like dangle in front of you of like you could be a big star and then you're forgotten I can't imagine what that must feel like for those people I know um, I saw an interview with someone for, who used to be on Geordie Shore oh, yeah. who has mental health, mental health issues and she yeah. said they look for people who are a bit damaged because those are the ones who are, e- who are easily molded into these characters, yeah. yeah. Like Muggy Mike from uh, Muggy Mike from Love Island, yeah, right? Yeah. Easily molded into the bad guy, into the bad guy character. So when he comes out of the villa, everyone sees him as the bad guy. And imagine what that must do to you, yeah. coming out with a whole nation fucking hating you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that must have been awful. And also. I didn't watch the entire of I think that series with Muggy yeah. Mike. I watched most of it and got really addicted. But yeah. um, I think was the idea that he was called Muggy Mike was it yeah. because he was getting mugged off by people. I or was have, it that he was mugging. I think he was off? he was being portrayed as someone who was mugging people off. Oh no. Okay. I was I thought it was like that he was getting mugged off, and I was like, oh, there are some you know masculinity issues there with I'm sure that he probably has mm. because I think most of them yeah. have like some toxic masculinity issues yeah. but and then being portrayed as someone who it gets mugged off all the time might be difficult for him but I guess absolutely the other way around works as well being portrayed as someone who is mean and cruel and nasty yeah. is also terribly damaging mm. No, I mean, listen, this yeah. show, this, all these, this TV is trash. It is trash. <laughs> we shouldn't be watching it. But, but you know what? And I can't judge anyone for watching it because yeah. you can't, I, I completely understand why people like it. Because it's, <laughs> it is throwaway trash TV. And you know what? Yeah. When the world's in a bit of a shit place as we are right now, yeah. what you want to do is watch some other people who are in a bit of a weirder situation yeah. than you are. Yeah, I know. And, and you get something, there's some, I don't know, something physiological out of talking about all these people and like mm. not tearing them apart yeah but, you know criticizing them and, and seeing bad behavior in them and separating mm. yourself from that behavior yeah, then exactly. i would never do that god i can't believe they did that very awful yeah um but it's fun it is fun <laughs> it is fun watching people argue which is why we watch things like big brother and all that kind yeah. of stuff we love it but i've got to say i think there's something about love uh, yeah. islands where they've just tapped into this thing where 
you know, they're so clever to have made it only yeah. about relationships. So you have to be in a relationship. Whereas yeah. in something like Big Brother or other reality TV shows, it's about friendships and arguments, or whatever. And this is this is about how people navigate relationships, and we're not taught that at school. No. And there are like certain kind of um, rules and inverted commas that yeah. people think that exist, but other people, but you know, we, no one agrees on what, how to navigate a relationship, and it's just it's just so interesting to watch I think, all the people's different approaches for me I think the reason I would watch something like Love Island or Made in Chelsea over I don't know X Factor or The Only Made Essex is how it's shot it is a beautiful looking program yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Like, generally it's yeah, so I nice like way, yeah they see, they shoot it like it's the sunset's just right the lighting is, it is a beautiful hypnotic program but that's what makes it a bit dangerous because that's yeah. what gets you hooked in yeah and of course uh, the voiceover is fantastic oh what's his name the Ian Scottish Sterling. Co- Sterling yeah. Scottish comic yeah. yeah he's amazing so yeah they've got all the ingredients and no, it's just it's just so interesting seeing people try to love each other and like yeah. and people getting over their own issues. It's almost like a kind of I don't know, like a psychological it's yeah. a psychological thriller. Mm, it is. <laughs> well, I'll speak have you met Andy Field, who's also on your agency? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I was speaking I had a um I had a I did a show I did a podcast with him yesterday, right? And we talked about Joel Domet coming out of the coming out of the um out of the jungle and winning the jungle, right? Yeah. And I, we were thinking, and from what I gather from the conversation, we both think that there was a lot more marketing behind him going into the jungle than ever was actually ever was ever presented, and also like Danny Dyer going into Love Island, because both of those they win their respective reality TV shows, mm. and almost immediately they come up with their own autobiographies. I know that is mad. It's a, yeah. How did they? I mean, I think that that whole machine, that like autobiography machine, is so fascinating. I mean, those are obviously ghostwritten, right? They don't write them themselves. Yeah. So. Those, well, those two in particular. Well, I, we can't say that for sure, but it, it is. Oh. <laughs> I mean, here's what. Maybe even whilst they're in those places, there's yeah. a ghostwriter at a publishing company writing that autobiography. Yeah. And then they like, you know, the moment they're out of the jungle with their crown and they're like, I'm writing your autobiography. Yeah. Give it a read. Would you like us to publish it? I yeah. think that's what it's like. Like, my, I mean, I don't know. I think my favorite interview with one of the Love Islanders was with Chris Hughes when he was on um, Russell Howard with, with Ian Sterling. And he's and he said, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book, right? And then they were just like, and they was like, oh, how are you writing a book? You're like this, you're only like this many years old. He's like, well. I've also got a ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. we know it. We know it. I mean, so I think probably 90% of like celebrity or celebrities are ghostwritten. Or co-written. That's how they get around it. Yeah. Or co- I mean, I I think I think what they do is they te- they it's almost like they do like a nine-hour interview yeah. or whatever. And then a really talented, actually, almost like, almost, really respect ghost writers yeah. if they weren't in like a little bit of a, I don't know. Bubble. Uh, I don't know, yeah, I, maybe I judge them, but I also admire them because they're obviously so talented yeah. to be able to communicate someone else's story as if it was their own really well yeah. and in an interesting way. I mean, I think we should also be grateful for ghost writers because if they didn't exist, we'd be reading some terrible stories. We would, we would. <laughs> They'd be really bad. So I think it's just, it's for the best. Um, one of my, I'm friendly with a, I'm actually friendly with a ghostwriter. Oh, are you? And she sort of taught me about the um, the mechanics and the contracts you get to go through. So I was wondering about the ones that say, um, say for example, um, written by Chris Hughes. Yeah. And it doesn't have the ghostwriter's name, but there's other ones where it'll say, buy this guy with this but when the tiny letters right. with this one is you're saying about how it's all in the contracts and what kind of agreements you have with the actual person that's promoting the book itself wow. so they could probably say, they're probably going to say um, if you do have your name on it you'll be getting less money however if you don't have your name on it we'll be giving you a lot more money than you did than oh. you did so people are kind of drawn between like taking the check or and the integrity yeah as yeah. always 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably just take that. <laughs> <I'm laughs> because do, would I want too. my name to be on, I don't know, like certain people's sort of Gemma Collins' 15th book. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, but then, you know, whatever. A gig's a gig. A yeah. A job. That's right. Um, but how many, I'm sorry, but how many times could Gemma Collins and, jo- and Katie Price tell the exact same story? Like, no. they're not that I mean, I... I think it's like some people just have such powerful charisma. Yeah. And it comes in really unexpected people. Mm. And I think, I think Gemma Collins and Katie Price both have that. Yeah. And that's also, and it's a very dangerous thing, Christmas. It's also what our mm. new Prime Minister has. Yeah. And Boris Johnson, for those who are, li- who are listening after the apocalypse. There you go. <laughs> He's now our Prime Minister, unfortunately. And, um, no, it's just a really weird thing, and and so it's it's almost not about what they're saying. Like you know, you say how many times can we tell the same story? It's just it's it's almost like a, there's a slight madness in it yeah. that we like to watch over and over again. I mean, I've got to say one of my favourite things that my my best friend Lolly showed me, and now I watch almost every day, is a clips of Gemma Collins on the Big Brother house. Yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah. She's completely hysterical. Yeah. I don't know if she's... I'll never, we'll never know if she knows how hysterical she is, but she's just a, a bit mad, and we love to see that. Mm. Because all the most people around us are quite kind of ordinary. I must admit, she is one of my favourite guests in Celebrity Juice whenever she's on. Because <laughs> she is up for anything. <laughs> but as you said, your charisma's dangerous, man. Mm. I mean, yeah. that's how Trump went in the White House. Yeah, exactly. Because of the charisma that he displays yeah. on TV. Yeah. And from speaking... Well, from, from hearing people speak about him when they meet him like apparently he is the most charismatic and yeah. nice guy yeah yeah but again dangerous mother really. exactly exactly it's, it's you just got to hope that people use that charisma in a good way but often they don't it comes yeah it comes, it comes from like a kind of darkness yeah. uh, you know it, yeah it's we can't control it so mm. no it's very sad that I mean, it's so fascinating how Trump mm. and Boris Johnson are so similar. Yeah. Um, they both had really bad hair pieces. Yeah, really bad hair. Like, with all that money. Like, like that's the Yeah, but that's the persona they want you to actually. That's the persona they want you to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole clowning of everything they're actually doing. Mm. They make you think they're clowns, but really they're ridiculously intelligent people, but yeah, they're yeah. not going. But that's all done behind closed doors, so yeah. they'll portray themselves as the, the idiots who ride the Boris bikes or yeah, yeah. shake with the wrong hand or whatever else. Yeah. Whilst behind the scenes, they are doing, I think, I can't be so sure because I'm not in the White House or in number 10 Downing Street, but I reckon yeah. they're doing some pretty malicious shit. No, I mean, I think they're all just uh, Machia- Machiavellian and they just want, they just want obsessed I've never had that word on the podcast, thank you. That's great. <laughs> just want everyone on the pod to know yeah. that I'm super clever. Nice. Well beautiful and funny. Yes. Um, uh, no, so, yeah, no, they're just obsessed with their own, own power. Yeah. That, that's, I think that's really all they care about. I don't even think it's about, like, being malicious. You know, I think people who have vouched for... Not vouch, sorry. People who have given um, character analysis of mm-hmm. Boris Johnson, who worked with him, are all like, he's just a liar. He's just yeah. lies. Just lie for whatever yeah. works in his favour that day. If it's Monday, no, it's not. It's Wednesday. You know, he'll he'll lie about anything. So, yeah. I think um, obviously Trump is the same. It's like him being president has been very triggering. People who have experienced yeah. gaslighting because he's just always just lying about what he said and done and. Mm. Um, no, we're in a we're in a terrible time. Yeah, which is why we need comedy. Which is why we need comedy. So, leading into that, <laughs> how did you get into comedy? Um, I got into comedy because one of my best friends, Paddy, he took. Didn't Not take. McGuinness, right? Yeah, no. McGuinness. Yeah. No, Eccles Williams. He's a lovely man. And he um, he was going up to the Edinburgh Fringe. Nice. And he was driving with my other friend George. And then they said, "Do you want to come with me?" And whatever, I said yes. It was spontaneous. We were doing anything that weekend. And I think I basically, to be honest, never seen comedy before. I really? mean, or like, I mean, I obviously had, but I just never really. I, yeah, I almost don't think I'd ever seen anything funny or experienced anything funny. And I just went around to all these shows. 
because Paddy used to kind of want to be a stand-up comedian. He was really, really passionate about comedy. Does he still do it, or does he not do it? He doesn't do it anymore. Ah. He's um, a teacher, and now he's just being a journalist. But no, he's he's too he's too smart for comedy. He's too good for us. <laughs> he's doing worthier things. Oh. <laughs> good no. for him. <laughs> I know it would be it would be much more fun for all of us if he was next. He's one of the funniest people I know. But he, uh, yeah, I just kind of screamed in every show with laughter. Nice. I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then, and you know, I think there's something about seeing people in those small rooms doing yeah. shows. They don't seem like when you're watching people on the TV, they seem almost like kind of other being or something. Mm. This comedian that was born a comedian. Yeah. You're just like, oh, these are just. People. kind of people who are relatively smart and funny and they've just crafted this really brilliant show and yeah persona or whatever you know it's just you just you just do it you just work at it and then you make a show i mean so for me it was i loved shows i was suddenly like oh my god i want to do a show so yeah it was i was sold from mm. that moment and i was just like maybe i should do this yeah. and i'd always been a real idiot yeah um and uh, just at school just yeah i was an idiot and mm. and i think it just it was a lot of stuff coming together for me being like oh there is like a use to this idiocy, idiocy. yeah i compl- i agree yeah. i'm yeah. i'm in the same in the same boat yeah <laughs> like you yeah, just go for you? Uh, the yeah. thing is you don't want people to laugh at you so you'll do things that they want to see you do which will make them laugh at you but they're laughing with you because you're the one making them do it yeah you're kind of controlling it that's it we're right, the puppet yeah. masters man that's it <laughs> we're the true evil ones we're yes. not Trump and Boris that's it we are um, with snakes in the grass yeah and it's, it's, it's a nice feeling isn't it because I think Often, if you have been a clown, you've probably been told off for it quite a lot. Yeah. Because you get yourself into trouble. And oh, I yeah. don't know about you, but did you get in trouble at school for it? And yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so of course then suddenly. Of course it is. Yeah, I mean, like, what was your um, what's your kind of clearest memory of being told off in school? For uh, it? clearest memory of being told off. Um, I just remember. Okay, I was in maths class in year eleven, right? Yeah. yeah. And. I am I I've got this calculator so I can't do maths really. Mm. Yeah. So what I do is I would sit and I just chat to my friends and the teacher, Miss Walters, God bless her, she is a Amer- she's Jamaican, classic old old school Jamaican teacher, yeah? Mm. Um she uh, she'd move me to like every single area and every single different table of the class. Oh right? my god. And I'd still talk, right? Oh. So one day, right, she had just had enough of me talking and she throws a textbook at my head she throws a textbook at me and I dodge it I dodge it yeah hold on hold on hold on I dodge it and the class goes silent and then one of the other kids says miss you can't do that and she was like she looks at me and goes you're not going to say nothing are you and I was like no (laughs) good miss but then I told my parents yeah yeah and they were just and they said so what were you doing and you said and I said oh I was talking in class they was like yeah that's damn right. <laughs> you deserved it. Wow. And did you talk less in class? Yeah, yeah. but she was... No. <laughs> less in her class. Less in her class. Well, yeah, 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 she, yeah. Well, she was genuinely one of my favourite teachers, man. She's... Wow. So that was me sort of taking the piss a little bit. But yeah, that was my most vivid memory. And yeah, there are other... Yeah, do you know what? I think, if I remember correctly, I may have drank beer in a class one time in year 11. Wow. What? I know, I mean, right? That's next level. That's so rock and roll. I know, right? God, look at us. <laughs> you are crazy. How can you get more rock and roll than that? Uh, year 11. I don't know. I, Not even legal. Year 11, I know. Like, I could have set fire to the school or some shit. But well, like, I hope you didn't. <laughs> no, God, no. No. That would be less kind of class clown and yeah. more kind of deeply troubled. Yeah, deeply troubled you. <laughs> um... Wow. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you, you know, you get you're getting um, negative feedback basically yeah. sometimes. I mean, along with like making it friends up or whatever. Mm. But then to see that there's a way of getting pure positive feedback. Yeah, it's true. From I mean, you know, not undiluted. Mm. There'll be some bad gigs. Yeah, of course. But um, no, yeah. So that was. Can you remember your first gig? Oh yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but it was my. My now best friend Lolly, she did a night called Women Posing as Comedians. Okay. And it was all female lineup, and um, she, we'd met, and, you know, she'd said 
I think someone had said like you're funny or whatever yeah. you should do it. so I was like I think I want to but I'm scared and she was like well why don't I give you this a deadline of this show and then you have something to build towards yeah and so I spent like a month like writing my material and yeah I did stand up I was so confident in my first gig I actually look back and I'm like I wish I was still there <laughs> <laughs> I like screamed and stuff I, I went crazy it was so fun it was I loved it and like that first time you get a laugh in the yeah. audience oh. it's just like it's difficult to describe it it is the most euphoric thing mm. in the world yeah. but <laughs> no one will understand it quite like anyone that's on stage yeah it's interesting isn't it it is interesting I mean I think almost now I feel it less maybe like doing your first gig it's like taking heroin and yeah. then every other gig that follows it's like you know the effect of the heroin yeah. up and you need more or something I don't know but like I think that first one was so intense like mm. I remember I couldn't sleep at all that night because I had so many like endorphins and so much mm. adrenaline rushing around my body um it was it was so fun and I was so happy that it was like an all-female gig my first mm. one because it's like less daunting well I th- a lot less daunting yeah a lot, well no it was just like I just love female, female com- comedians yeah. are like or all yeah. now my like favourite comedians and I was and they're all really great great I still love all of their comedy and um yeah it's really it's it, you know I think lots of younger girls maybe not now so much but we would have seen comedy and it would have been like an all male thing yeah. and it was just really inspiring to be amongst so many talented female comedians to be like I can do this too I think that's a real issue in the London comedy circuit mm. specifically right yeah because there just isn't enough diversity in mm. there whether it be yeah. people of colour or mm. what, or um females and well the right the, the correct ratio between females to male females to males yeah yeah totally totally no it is it is it is a problem i've been on of course like like all female comedians i've been on gigs and i've been the only female mm. um i think it's it's improving i spent some time in new york this year and they often have like almost all female comedians that's that's good yeah i mean sometimes you go to a gig and uh, my friend the other day was doing a gig and I spoke to him, he's American, he was like there's, no, there's not a single woman on the bill mm. and he actually messaged the booker and said, listen I know the, like, the show is like yeah. in a few days or whatever, but you have to be you have to get a woman on the bill yeah. <laughs> don't be an idiot so I think it's possible, it's just like about being mi- bookers being mindful yeah, um, at some of the most regular nights actually uh, run by, um, one's Healing Comedy and one's Monty's run by um, Gary Michaels and the other one's run by Rudy Ilias I think they make a point of at least have, having at least two or three females on the bill. Oh, great. Which yeah. is yeah, that's so not good. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still more than yeah. other places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only so many times you can hear a white guy talking about his penis. Oh, my God. Totally. And it's always either it's, like, amazingly big or it's <laughs> humorously small. And it's just like, I'm not going to see it. I don't want to yeah. see it. So... No, and I think, particularly if you're, like, a female in the audience, Mm. it's not just that, like, during that show, you'll be like, oh, like, the fifth male on the bill. It's it's coming off the back of a whole lifetime Mm. of listening to to men talk about themselves and in pubs and make the jokes and take the lead. And it's like, you're just you're just done you're just, you're just thirsty to hear how a woman feels yeah and a woman be funny about how she feels that, that's it's it, you know it's just, mm. we're just desperate for it I'm yeah. desperate for it and yeah. I'm so interested and intrigued when I hear anything that a woman feels yeah <laughs> basically yeah it's true like I know so many funny women comedians but yeah. I rarely see, well, other than a few other than a few of them who I see regularly in the circuit I don't see a lot of them because mm. well I think a lot of them are I think there's also a bit of a fear there isn't there a in little what bit. way in what way um, going to a place where it's mainly males and right, yeah. also coming back quite late from these generally quite rough pups let's yeah, be honest yeah maybe 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 I think 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, are those kind of are those like pubs where it's like an open mic or? It's a, yeah, I'm, I'm an open. I'm on an open mic. I'm on the open mic circuit. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's the real rough. So that's the tough circuit. That is it. a tough circuit. I did that for a bit, and <laughs> I did a couple of posts actually on Instagram of like the view of the room because uh, it was always an all male audience. Actually, don't know what that's about. That's really interesting. I, I, yeah. What is what is going on? I mean. From a personal perspective, yeah, I stopped because, yeah, I mean, it was so male, mm. but I was like, this isn't my audience. And also, those gigs are so odd because it's like everyone's just waiting to get up and do mm. their own set. It just doesn't feel like particularly useful sometimes. Yeah. What I will say about how it is now, mm. even though they are still in like some the background of some rough pubs, mm. what tends to happen is that even if there aren't women on the bill, there'll still be women in the audience. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. because the male comedians will often bring their girlfriends if they've got them, or they'll or people or women from the bar will come in and they want to laugh. Mm. So it's getting better. Yeah. Well, that I mean that's good. A girlfriend here or there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean I think I think it it's not only getting better, but I can see the future. I can see it's like filled with funny women. Like, yeah. Just full to the brim. So I don't feel particularly worried about it no I mean you know I know that it's problematic sometimes all those yeah. those shows but it's 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 going up it's not we're on an upward trajectory yeah. so that's what I was going to ask you next um, where do you think the scene is right now in London and how and do you think it's in a good place or in a bad place at the moment um it's a good question um for me because I, I spent so I spent like four months um, four and a half months in New York this year it, yeah. and it's really interesting I was performing there and so when I now think about London and the scene I can't think about it without compa- like doing a comparison between yeah. the two cities yeah and yeah do it like, how does it compare to the New York scene yeah well I would um, yeah, so what I would say is that um, the New York scene is it's so the London scene is so connected yeah. to the culture that we have here which is our tubes finish at yeah. midnight just yeah. after midnight um, we are part of a kind of um, culture where we do a lot of planning. So, like, if yeah. you want to see a friend, it's like, oh, are you free next week? No, I'm not free next week. Okay, you're free in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Like, everyone's planning ahead. Mm. We don't have a very spontaneous culture. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just to do with British people or just the way the, the city works or it's quite a spread out city. Mm. Um, you know, we don't have, like, we don't live in lots of high rises closer together. Yeah. But in New York, the culture is very spontaneous. Yeah. So yeah. if you do a show there, there are loads of people there and those people have just turned up. They've yeah. been like, yeah, I'll come. Or if you ask them to come to a show, they're like, yeah, whatever, we don't, I don't have plans tonight. You know, people aren't, I don't know, maybe people are afraid of making plans. Yeah. But it is so thriving and I would say I would love it if here we had a bit more of that. Like, yeah. just, I don't know, if everyone was just out a lot. I guess we're, we're a bit more homebodies here. There are a lot of families yeah. living in London. Yeah. Um, Maybe we're just a bit dull. I don't know. Um, but I think it basically could be better. But I, I don't necessarily think it's the comedy scene's fault. I think we're do- doing the best we can. And there yeah. are some really fun shows I go yeah. to and do. And How about you? What do you think? I think that we are... I think it's in a good place at the moment. Mm. I'm not sure where it's going. But at this, at this moment in time, I'm seeing a lot more diverse... Vi- I'm seeing more diverse bills than when I started. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's and so true. I, mean, I think yeah you're so right and I think the bookers are becoming a lot more selective about who they're having on their nights ish and that can be a, that can be a good thing or a bad thing but they're being a lot more if someone's being an absolute arsehole they've been very cutthroat about not having them back not having them back on the show and I really like that mm. Yeah, that's that's really good. No, that is good. There are some more interesting shows. My friend Sophie Duca does a really great show called Wacky Racists. And okay. it's like Wacky all, Racists. Yeah, and it's all people of colour. I yeah. mean, it's all like really diverse. And yeah, I think there are some really really cool shows that are thriving. Yeah. So can we move outside because the yeah. music again? Was it the music? 
so yeah, we just had to move outside because the music was playing and didn't want. I don't really fancy getting copyrighted. No, no, I don't want that either. No, I got my dad got an email from then yeah, from Virgin Media a few months ago because I did download an episode of a TV show and it was like, just so you know, this has been downloaded to an IP address near and I was like. Oh shit, I'm stopping that now. <laughs> oh my god, because you downloaded something illegally? Yeah. And it knew that you were downloading something Yeah, illegally. Virgin Media were quite... Yeah, they they just picked the wrong moment. They just picked the right moment to check up on my IP, my, the IP address. And then it was like, yeah. Oh my god. Scary, isn't it? Big Brother is watching. It really is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But still, so... How do you think the London scene compares to other scenes in the UK? Um, I mean, do you know what? Because I don't know. I don't know. I I live in London, so I tend to only perform in London. Okay. I sometimes do get asked to do gigs that are far away, but often it's like a four-hour train journey up north. Yeah. And it's really expensive. Yeah. And, and I'm going to finish late, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to have to stay overnight. And... Anyway, whatever. I'm making excuses. The actually the point is, I'm very London-centric, and I don't know when I don't, care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. No, I, I just, I'm, I'd love to know. I did, a, I did um, the Shrewsbury Comedy Festival. Did you? Which was very sweet and middle class. Oh god. <laughs> with summer murders. Oh but they god. were all lovely. They were like loving it. I think there's something, maybe this is just like my one experience I'm using, but. There was like an innocence there. There was yeah. such an excitement to have comedy, and maybe we become a bit hardened to how bloody amazing comedy is. Yeah. Bloody amazing. Uh, when we're in London. Yeah. Whereas because they were so great. They were just so grateful to have me. Because it is everywhere here. Literally yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And that's. A, I think that's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> because actually, no. Do you know this is this kind of goes back to the other point we were talking about about how I think how we think the London scene actually is at the moment. Um, I think there's so many clubs opening that we are really spoiled for choice. Yeah. And that could mean, that can be a good thing because there's so many different places to go, but then that also means that it's harder to get audience. Yes, yes. Which then brings on to the issue of bringers and bringer nights. Oh, yeah, but I haven't ever done one of those. Have you not? You've not? Oh, you're not experienced a bringer night. Have you not? <laughs> <laughs> What what's the deal? I mean, I can't. I I can't ask my friend. I feel like I just yeah. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't ask my friend to can't spend a whole evening. Much of hope on my comedy. So that I could do, and then you also have to pay. Sometimes you have to like pay to do it as well. Oh, I, I would never have to. I never go to anywhere and have to pay to play. That's ridiculous. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> What we tend to do on the open mic scene is that there's a there's a bring group on Facebook, so we just post on that saying, hey, can I have some, uh, anyone free on this day? I can get you back and get you a drink on my on the night I'm doing it, and then hopefully someone will respond. And what I've done now is I've got a little network of people who I can actually ask, okay, do you want, um, do you want me to do? It? Um, can you bring me for this night? I'll bring you for another night and. Yeah, it's sort of built up like that. I love it. But, I mean, that sounds good. That sounds really, really good. It is good. It's a little community of people, but at the same time, it is hard. Yeah. I mean, but then, yeah, comedy's hard, so it's like, whatever, we just suck it up, I guess, and do it. But, uh, yeah, I just can't bring myself to ask my friends to, like, spend an evening doing this thing. Yeah, I know. Because if someone asked me, I almost feel like I would, I'd be like, no, my time is too precious. Mm. Um, but then maybe that's not true. Maybe I'd be like, yeah, I'm excited that you're doing comedy and yeah. I want well, to see a show. And it kind of, I, it, I kind of got to the point where I'm not asking my friends anymore because yeah. a few months ago, actually it wasn't a few months ago, it was a month and a bit ago, right? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to hang out with my friends, go for a meal with them, and I saw a message saying, oh, um, would you like to hang out? With, are you free on this day? Are you free on this day? And the first thing they wrote back to me was, sure, is it that you've got a gig? Oh. I was like. No, I just want to hang out and have a meal with you. But, like, that kind of got me thinking, right, this is, I've got to stop doing this now. I've got to stop asking my friends because that's what they thought I was, I wanted, that I only wanted to meet them up for. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. You're using them. Yeah, I know. I know. What's been your best gig and what's been your worst gig? 
Well, worst gig comes to me quicker than the best gig. Go for it. You don't have to mention names, but... <laughs> I had... I did a show two years ago at the end of a Fringe. I did, like, a 40-minute show on the free Fringe. Oi, Laughing Horse or PBH? Which uh, P- one? PBH. Okay, PBH. Uh, we can't speak I'm Laughing Horse this year, so... <laughs> oh, no. I love... Well, I'm very... I really love PBH. They're amazing, amazing. I love Horse as well. But, um... I did it in Chow Roma, which is an Italian, the basement of an Italian restaurant. Nice! Um, great! <laughs> it was great. It was, there was a Mussolini quote on the wall. Oh, uh, what more could you want for comedy? <laughs> the Mussolini quote was like, follow me and you will be half victorious or something. Yeah. Like, I was like, this should be taken down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I did have a fun month doing that, but I had one show where this man came, up, came in... Uh, and I do characters, I do character comedy, and I was doing a character of like a female pickup artist, not pickup no, artist. Yeah, stuff. those skeezy people who will go around and tell people, well, just tell you how to hit on other people, right? Totally, totally. They're, you know, they're very manipulative. Yeah. And, yeah. Charismatic, we'll call them charismatic. Yes, charismatic. Call back, baby, yes. <laughs> The danger of their charisma. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're very, very dangerous, and they're like, and they actually are preying on very vulnerable people who they're like training up, being like, I can get you to have sex with loads of women. And anyway, the whole thing is about women being neat, and yeah, it's awful. And there's a book called The Game, which I yeah. looked at, and that's yeah. a similar thing. It's just like, it's just seeing women as a conquest and not as human beings with anything yeah. on their their interior at all. Um. So, I. I yeah, did this character and the whole idea is it's like a parody obviously it's I'm taking a piss out of yeah. those people who are objectifying women so much so, so my character kind of objectified the men in the room and generally it was like so fun just big party um, and the character was a total idiot like Good. really thick um, and I just had this one man who watched a show sat down with his two daughters were they older daughters or young or they young? were like 15. I think they were 15. Okay, that's okay. That's exactly Oh my god. Exactly. Whatever. I was, you should have seen what I was up to 15. Yeah. You shouldn't have seen it. It's terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, and he basically, this guy, oh, if he was listening, mm. he won't be, mm. but um, he was, I really do not like this guy. I was going to say hate, but I don't hate anyone. No, of course not. Um, Hate's a very strong word. Very, very and strong there's word. a thin line between love and hate. So oh, if you I mean, say, I loved him. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, so he basically interrupted the show and was like, uh, this is like, it ha- is th- this isn't appropriate. This yeah. is supposed to be a 15, he said. And, I w- and uh, my response is like, when I was 15 and yeah. people laughed but it it became the laugh the only laughter I could then get from the audience was like referencing this tense situation with this man yeah um he just kept on interrupting oh my god and I and at one point I said well you know would you like to leave and he was just like he just didn't he just didn't react it was almost like he enjoyed taking you down taking me down and, and judging me and I just felt really uh, it was it was I guess it was a lot of irony because the show is about toxic masculinity yeah. and I felt that that's what he was and, and the way he was so protective about it, over these two daughters who were laughing so much they were like yeah. laughing the most in the show yeah. and of course they understand all the references they're not idiots yeah. like they haven't just come out of the womb yeah um, and he was just like a very overbearing patriarchal figure that, and I didn't want him at any of my shows so I hope yeah. he never comes back and I mean he won't maybe <laughs> I maybe do you think that he was he was seeing a side of his daughters in what you were doing maybe maybe he didn't like hearing yeah, his daughters laugh and like know what I was talking about yeah and that could have been I reckon that uh, that's it's terrible he did he could but he could have that could have triggered something in him before oh shit my daughters are at the age where they're starting to date guys I'm yeah. not comfortable with this I can't show them that I'm not comfortable with this yeah I'm now going to I'm going to try and make myself look Better than the person that's on better than the person that's on stage doing yeah. this. But you know what? He made himself look like such a. Of prick. course, they don't. He, every you know, people hated him in that room. He ruined the show. And he didn't ruin, you know, there was still some some fun moments. Yeah. But he came across as a really, really just like a really nasty guy. Like most hecklers don't realise, right, that 
they always look like idiots when they are happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they think they're yeah. doing themselves a favor. They think that they they think that they're being funny or whatever. They're not. Yeah. Because they're not. The audience is not here to see you. They're here to see us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean. I, that's my only experience of anyone ever heckling me, uh, but I totally agree. If I've ever seen anyone do that, mm. I've just thought, what a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's so selfish, and someone told me the other day that they, they themselves had... I actually really like this person, so I won't mention who they are, but that they... It was like 20 years ago, they're older than me. Um, yeah. That they seen a comedy show and they got up and they shouted you're crap you're rubbish I'm walking out and I, my heart kind of broke when I heard that I was like oh my god that poor comedian like you don't understand that's like a, that's an artist yeah like that you're you know god I don't know it's, it's just it's just sad I, my, but that's the thing mm. artists are very sensible oh sensible sensitive yeah and uh, you're putting yourself out there and it's it's just you've got to just ride up all these things yeah it's part of the test whenever I am see a gig and there's someone talking to the audience or semi heckling I say, hey, do you want a five-minute squat? <laughs> and they'll always say no. So, well, nine times out of ten, they'll say no. Yeah. And it's like, all right, then you don't want a five-minute squat. Let these guys who are actually here to work and get you make it off, let them do the job. Yeah, That's thanks true. very much. <laughs> That's a really good idea. That's it, because a lot of them are... They want to be. They want to look big, but when it actually comes, when push actually comes to shove, yeah, they're small. They're small people inside. Yeah. And they don't. Well, they don't want to show that. So in a way, I kind of feel sorry for them when they do feel when they do feel the need to do that because I was like, what are you yeah. missing from your life, which makes you want to treat someone like shit? Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, you know, also sometimes like people interrupting, it's like they want to be involved in the show and they're like loving the show so much yeah. they just like want to engage and they yeah. want to but you know I, I that that's also but they, they, they often those people don't go and see comedy shows yeah. much, so they don't understand yeah. so it's like it's not a two player game this is like a this is the comedian's space and if they want to talk to you mm. then they will I think that's also down to how good the MC is though because yeah. an MC worth their salt will say at the very beginning of the show something along the lines of if you want to heckle if you want to chat do it, when, do it when I'm on stage, not when the actual comedians are on stage. Oh. Do it to me, because I got, because I got, um, I got thicker skin, and I will beat the shit out of you if you, make, if you, make, if you <laughs> with my words. Yeah, with my words, yeah. That's that's. I love the idea of that. I want that MC to be my dad. It's like loads. That of, so nice. It's loads of us. There's <laughs> lo- like there's about eight to ten MCs that I know will use that in their set. Myself, in their oh. MCs, myself included. So it's like. And it just alleviate, and it just eliminates yeah. almost everything, yeah, right? Perfect. All the all the disruptions and all the all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Because you're hitting the nail on the head before it comes loose. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. So, girls. Girls. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I think I said earlier that yeah. I'm just so interested in anything a girl says. Yeah. Like, that's the show. Yeah. So girls. Okay. So, so. What do you want to know about girls? Okay. No. Let's talk. Let's just talk about the show itself. Yeah. So it's um, stars and is written by and directed by me, Lena. D- <laughs> <laughs> Lena Dunham. Um. Yeah. Lena and, Dunham. And it's based on her life. And it's based on her life in uh, growing up as a young person in her twenties yeah. in upstate New York, where Manhattan. Pattern, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and it's just, and I'll, I'll come out of the gate and say this, right? I'm going to defend it a little bit, but then I'm going to go into my real issues with the show. Go right? for it. Go for it. It's really well written. Yeah. It is for not. It, she's a great writer, and it's really well acted. And I really like a lot of the characters in it, right? Yeah. And the storylines are really good. It's really tightly done, and. It's re- I really like the fact that it's quite it's so body positive. Yeah. It's not just showing just thin, good-looking people having sex. It's yeah. everyone yeah. is getting some, and that's like, it's really <laughs> nice to see. It's yeah. it's rare. We're happy for them. They're it's, getting some. It's so rare in American TV. No, to not yeah, s- I know what you're saying. It, it was it was really cool seeing diverse bodies yeah. on screen, like experiencing pleasure. It was it yeah. was wonderful. It was a really exciting time actually when those like first episodes came out when we were seeing that I think it, it's like done it shifted a lot yeah like 
the wet yeah what we're expecting to see on screen wasn't it like 2011 that it came out or something oh god maybe it was 2011 yeah 2012 so I, I, yeah I think maybe so it was, it was a while ago now mm. I mean no we're still seeing like Margot Robbie looking hot yeah <laughs> naked and we won't stop seeing those kind of bodies but it, yeah. it was it was really and why cool should we because they're a part of our lives too absolutely they must have their exposure yeah but um but it was it's cool to see uh yeah more diverse bodies being celebrated and and experiencing like i say yeah okay. sexual pleasure who's your favorite character in girls then okay well here's the thing i don't really have a favorite character because one of the things i like about the show is that they're almost not supposed to be likable. Yeah. If it, so if I actually had to really like a character, I would say I like um, Shoshana is really great. Is she, she the quite ditzy one? Or is she the she's one? really, really ditzy, but yeah. she ends up being kind of the wisest one of the show. Okay. Which is like an interesting thing to have done with her character throughout the, the series. Yeah. Because she starts off as like the really kind of thick one. Yeah. She's like, oh my god, I don't know, I'm really fast. And then she ends up being the one who just like calls everyone out for being really self-obsessed and shallow and and being like, you know, I don't want to be friends with you guys. This is, yeah. These friendships are really crap. Yeah. And um, yeah, so 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 and also that's one of my favorite things about the show as well because it's about it's a kind of realistic portrait of, of friendships. Yeah. I think you know we see like Seinfeld and like Friends and. You know that that's that's often not the way that real friendships yeah. are navigated True. in your twenties, and it's complicated. People are changing. People are to be fair, Seinfeld was not in his twenties. He was definitely <laughs> in his forties. That's a definite. That's a good yeah. forty-plus-year-old relationship right there. <laughs> totally, totally. But then you know they're so they're so codependent. Those relationships just like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're wonderful, but they're not real. They're like yeah. Hollywood relationships. Yeah. It's almost like the rom-com effect but with friendship um, of being like oh this is what we expect from a friendship but it's not real so I kind of like how the friendships are so Time. problematic yeah. at times and also there's great love and support for each other as well mm. but it's just it's just not perfect I love I love how basically almost for me the theme of the show is things aren't perfect yeah that's it and it's good to see particularly about women because mm. when there's so much pressure on women to be perfect yeah I think Shana's a good character I quite like the British like the British girl as well Jessa Jessa yeah. yeah totally again she's just so removed from any I think it's just because she's so removed from anything that I'm used to seeing <laughs> yeah she's so unique as a character yeah. on screen isn't she yeah and her background's com- almost completely different to mine and I'm just like this person I can't believe this person actually exists yeah yeah but yeah she, but from meeting different people I realised that she does exist and she um, she's good <laughs> she's really good she's really really cool yeah it's, I love that character she's like a American British yeah privileged like she's kind of like a princess yeah like a a bad girl at the same time didn't she isn't her dad like a major producer in Hollywood the actress yeah no idea I don't know I mean maybe I think I think she wasn't actually, she'd never acted in anything other than yeah. like stuff that her friend Lena Dunham was yeah. like writing and producing so no I think she's amazing yeah actress I also like Adam Driver's character yes he's he's interesting he's, he's a cool journey he's, on the a, show. he's a cool he's a cool guy but he's unrelentingly an arsehole well no actually have you watched the whole thing I've seen the the first three I've seen the first three seasons oh you're missing out they really mess with us because you think you know who these characters are and then actually he ends up being a really incredible person yeah and she spoiler I mean it's too late you should have seen the show by now if you're going to watch it go for it Um, she she gets pregnant Linda Dunham and she's going to have a baby and Adam comes to her and is like well okay I'll be the I'll be the parent nice the guy is like someone yeah interested in being a father or whatever um, but she, you know, she doesn't know him. It was like a one-night yeah. stand, and he's just—he's just great. He's just a really oh, listen. I'm in love with him. He's a special guy. But if I just seen the first three seasons, I also would say, what an asshole. But I'm quite fun to see an asshole. Yes, it's fun to see someone. <laughs> don't see enough. Yeah, we we don't on TV. They've always got to have some redeeming qualities as he sort as I'm guessing he does as the yeah. season as the show progresses, but. I do quite like it when there's just someone who is a complete arsehole because that's life. People are like that. 
totally totally and i think it was also cool to have portrayed those assholes that in your 20s yeah. you date yeah and uh i think that was a really interesting it was pleasing to see on screen yeah. being like why is this girl with this guy who's such an asshole don't be with him but you know you just see something in them and you, yeah. you kind of no, you're so like looking for love. Yeah. You, you're kind of hoping any moment you're going to find it in that person. Yeah. But they keep letting you down, disappointing you. No, I, I really liked that relationship. I thought it was really I also good. quite like uh, Andrew Reynolds, his supporting kind of Oh, supporting. yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's amazing. Yeah, he's really, really great. He's so funny. Like, I wish I could have been... I wish I could actually watch him in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> I know. Have you seen the Book of Mormon? I've seen the Book of Mormon, yeah. Yeah, it, it is... is it's such an amazing production. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely cool. wonderful. It's probably the most... It's weird because it's probably the most religiously tolerant shows out there. I really do think, yeah. Yeah? Because it... Because... Why? Why do you think it's religiously tolerant? Isn't Toler- it intolerant? No, I think it's... it's <laughs> what it's basically saying is... Um, yeah, they're all a little bit right. However, they're all a little bit right, and it's okay if you do believe if you do believe these things. However, if you take them, at, you shouldn't take these books as gospel because yeah. they've been written and rewritten. Yes. Have you seen the book? Have you seen the book? I have book? seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. What are your thoughts? Go, go for I, it. No, I thought it was. I thought it was awesome, and I just felt happy that the parent in the Mormon community really like it. Yeah. Find it really funny. Yeah. So, I think if they didn't like it, I would be like, oh, this is so mean. Yeah. But no, it's such a mad religion, and no, it was brilliant. All the dancing and all the songs, and I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day. Yeah. And apparently he's got a load of Mormon friends, right? Yeah. And one of his friends, he was saying that he was left the he was left the Mormon church. She is so naive to everything. Like, and she absolutely hates it because of the way she's been because of how she's been brainwashed and brought up by yeah. that church I've got to say it's like yeah it's funny because when you see the show it's like all oh, the song and dance it's relaxed. I've got it such a laugh but it, yeah. it's actually really sad but, but in Edinburgh actually when we go up to we're both going up to Edinburgh yeah we are um, so last year there were some Mormons who were kind of flyering on nice. <laughs> by the meadows every day and I had a friend who who got quite angry with one of them Why? for kind of constantly flyering her because because she was like, do you understand how oppressive your religion is to women? You know, yeah. you have no idea and you have no right to talk to me about what you believe and I find it insulting. And um, Yeah, I, I think... Um, it does say yeah. something that all the cast of the... It does say something that all the cast, all the Mormons in the show are male. Yeah, yes. Oh my God, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'd be able to laugh so much as the, at the female experience of being no. a woman. Like, just, you know, being one of the many wives. And yeah. Oh, no, it's actually, it's too sad to contemplate. Sorry, back to your friend, back to your friend, <laughs> Back to, back to what, sorry? Your I friend, who was, your friend having the argument with the Oh, no, yeah, so, no, she just, no, she just would, would row with him. And then I started to feel sorry for the, him, because he was quite young. They were like, they were missionaries, basically. Oh, they were Mormon missionaries. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, yeah. as, as they're in the show. Um, and they were naive, and they've been... You know, you could call it brainwashed or whatever. Yeah. You know, they've been brought up to believe in all this stuff. Um, so I almost felt bad for them coming up against your friend, my friend, who's intelligent, strong woman, who he would be no match for. <laughs> <laughs> um, Was he American, this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. They're American, and they look just like the people in Book of Mormon. They look like kind of cartoon characters, like blonde area. God. Princes. Well, they're from Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt Lake City, baby. Um, yeah. No Mormons and girls, though. No, there aren't I any Mormons and girls. More. No, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't. <laughs> that kind of brings me on to sort of my issue. Not the fact that there weren't any Mormons yeah, in it, go but on, yeah. it's New York, right? Yeah. Growing up in New York, there's a lot of done mixtures of color, people of different colors and yeah. races why were they not seen on why were they not seen on the show listen i didn't write the show so i, can't I know i know i know i know i, I, know, I, 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 I now distance myself from the show now that you said 
No, so that was something I wanted to address, which is I know it's not perfect. Yeah. I know it's not perfect. And it's not even like you can say, and that topic is so serious, it's not like you can be like, oh, it's not perfect. But, you know, who told you that she was going to be perfect? Yeah, that's Like true. Lena Dunham in creating this show. And and she she did fight a lot of really amazing battles. Yeah. We talked about the body one. Obviously, she also fought the battle of, like, women. Yeah. Like, women, women's voices being heard. She's, a, yeah. she's really paved the way for a lot of, like, women yes, in, in television. And uh, she tells very nuanced, nuanced stories about... Yeah relationships and women's like interior worlds and yeah she's not perfect it's not perfect but i think i don't know why like who told us she she would be and the show would be you know i don't think we hold the same standards to other shows interestingly enough and i I think it's almost there's almost like a sexism around that criticism of of lena dunham and the show expecting her to be perfect and and it's like oh well you didn't you know because it's almost like because she's done a great job it's like well you didn't do this and you didn't do this it's like nitpicking everything else yeah (laughs) i think what i think what really annoyed i think what annoyed people more than that was her sort of defense of it because she said yeah well people people complained about it but yeah. I've got a black boyfriend in the first set. I've got a black boyfriend in season two, oh, which she did. Yeah. Yeah, Donald Glover. He was in it for two episodes. Yeah. So I was like, that was not the best PR move for her. But not the best PR move. <laughs> well, I mean, he was probably busy. He, uh, <laughs> no, but he, because he's the best. Donald Glover, he's yeah. He's incredible. I mean, God, we should be talking about Atlanta. That's the show. But, yeah. um... No, I know. I think she kind of tried to rectify it, and it wasn't great. I mean, ultimately, I think it was a show about her it was life. About, uh-huh. It's almost about white women. It's about her. It's about yeah. her life, and she's surrounded by white women, um, and she's very privileged. And these girls are very privileged. Yeah. You know, but it, this isn't like she's not. Oh God, it's an awful thing to say that she's not running. Like it's not a charity. Yeah. She's trying to tell. Um, as she's trying, you need to be specific and she's being specific about what she knows and she is very privileged yeah and um, sometimes it gets sickening to watch and that is why sometimes when I watch a show I'm like oh come on like yeah. it's ridiculous no one has this kind of life but I don't know I think she's done the best job she can of like using the life that she's had to do as good a job as yeah. she could do that's true I think yeah that's true absolutely absolutely the diversity is problematic and i almost feel bad being like defending the lack of diversity i'm not really defending it i'm just being like it doesn't take away from how great the the other things are yeah the thing is you're you are you are right because i think that we did hold her to a different standard to we would say Mm. i don't know uh, a kevin james sitcom or whatever or uh, Whatever else, whatever else for having only one black guy in it. Yeah, I mean, what about Sex and City? Exactly, that's Wait, what no, I was thinking no about. No one's ever talking about how Sex and City is not diverse in any way. I, I literally can't think of like. One, I can't. And I've watched that whole show like seven I've times. I've never, se- I've never seen it, but I, <laughs> yeah. but I, re- I do want to watch it. It's not like something I wouldn't. But maybe it's something to. I think it's almost like. I think it was made by Patrick. What's his name? But we, but we don't really know the face of the person who created it, and I think yeah. because we know Lena Dunham, Dunham and she we puts herself to... out there as a public figure, yeah. we love to tear, tear people down, those yeah. women down. And so because we know her and we see her like enjoyment of this whole journey that she's been on with girls, it's like no, let's let's cut this girl down a bit. But peg. again, I don't mean to undermine the, the mistakes that she made, and yeah. I think she. I think she needed to hear that feedback, yeah. and it'll it'll help everyone. But uh, I just think people went quite hard in for her. Yeah. And I I just found it interesting to observe. What I find quite interesting is that she's sort of taken a step back from the spotlight a little bit since Girls finished. Mm. I mean, she's got a new show coming out on HBO soon. Yeah. But I'd have thought, like, how this usually happens when you have a hit show, you get put in movies and what and everything else. But she's still sort of been like the indie darling a little bit isn't she yeah i don't know what that is i mean for her it's probably it's probably been really hard mm. it's only been hard for her i think um and i think she has a lot of health problems i think she has god what's it called i can't remember but i think she has a, a health issue which she's been battling with mm. so yeah, but I'm excited to see what she does next. She's, mm. you know, she's such an intelligent writer and creator, and I think she works so hard 
you know that show was yeah it was amazing and that could have been that could be why we haven't seen so much of her recently because she is picky about the projects she chooses maybe and also she wants to have a bit more control about what gets put into this what gets put into it then maybe exactly i don't know yeah or she's been taking her time um but yeah no i'll always be grateful for girls and i think it had a good impact on commissioning as well yeah you know i'm a female writer and i would like to have a have you know my work commissioned yeah. and I think if girls hadn't happened it might be different yeah. you know Fleabag might not have followed it yeah and I think for its faults it proved that women can be funny <laughs> oh that's always a relief <laughs> it did, it did. It, well not just to, not to me personally but like to Hollywood yeah to Hollywood right yeah exactly yeah no because you had a female a female who was yeah. Not your stereotypical, not your stereotypical female as the star, the writer, and the director. Right, totally. And it was a fucking hit. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what. That's what I mean. It's like, I mean, I always knew women were funny. Yeah. But it's it's about uh, commission commissioners knowing and that women are funny and that people want to see them be funny. That's right. So, Cam Spence, it's been wonderful. Oh, thank you for having me, Nathan. Okay, so where can they find you on social media, first of all? So, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at camgirl, and girl is spelled G-U-R-R-L, as girl should be spelled. Yeah. Camgirl. And, um, yes, yeah, so that's where you can find me on social media. And then I'm doing my show at the yeah. Edinburgh Fringe yeah. this August. What's the show called? It's called Sun- The Sunshine Clinic. And when are you there from? What time is it on? When are you there from? It's um the whole the whole month. The hey, say the whole run. Yeah, it's on at four thirty p.m. at the Pleasant's Courtyard every day. Cool. Character comedy show. It's mad, and I'd love you to come. Sweet. Okay. So thanks very much, Cam. It's been brilliant speaking to Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was. So that was Cam Spence, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it and talking to her. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at your boy Gibbo, um, on Instagram, Gibbogram1, and as I mentioned before, from the 1st to the 25th of August at 6.45 at Dropkick Murphy's Bar, you can catch myself, Duffy Connors, and Shining Johan as the ticked boxes, delivering you that diverse stand-up comedy goodness. So yeah, hopefully see you in Edinburgh, and if not, see you soon, guys.